0: And just like that, we are back with another episode of the Bashamania podcast. I am your host, Justin Bash, and today we continue the road to the 2020 Olympic Trials, which are just around the corner. Now, having wrestled in middle school and high school and participating in men's folk style, that's what I first became a fan of. That passion turned into a passion for freestyle only after watching and following the college level. Naturally, if you want to follow guys like Jordan Burroughs and David Taylor and Bo Nickel after their college careers, you have to be a fan and tune into men's freestyle. So for me, men's folk style and men's freestyle have been what I have followed and watched and grew a passion for the most. But with the talent and the success the U.S. has had on the women's side, because let's be honest, winning matters when it comes to getting fans to tune in And earning relevance. And honestly, I do think that's one area Greco has failed to grow. But with the success of the women's team, it is hard not to be a fan and tune in when a women's team wrestles these days, especially a year like this, where almost every Olympic team member is potentially going to be a returning world medalist. That's some serious depth and talent. Just as men's freestyle has, I believe five out of the six Olympic weights have someone qualified for the Olympic trials who's a returning senior level world medalist. I believe the only women's weight that doesn't is 62 and the only men's weight that doesn't is 65. Either way, all this to say, the more I watch and become a bigger fan of the women's side of the sport, I look at some of the staples of the sport, like Helen Maroulis and Victoria Anthony, and I want to get these stories out there So today, Victoria Anthony is joining the show. And Victoria Anthony has such an amazing resume. She's placed fifth in the World championships. She's a Junior World Champion. She's a U.S. Open Champion. She's a Dave Schultz Champion. She's a Bill Ferrell Champion. She's a four-time WCWA College Nationals Champion. She's a Junior Nationals Champion. Her resume is just loaded with accomplishments. So I'm pumped to have her on the show today. Definitely the longest intro to an episode yet in the podcast. So I apologize for that. If you listen to this show, you know, I'd love to get right into the meat of the conversation, which is bringing the guest on. So I'm going to waste no more time, guys. Real quick, if you are an avid listener to this podcast or you get a ton of value out of this episode and you want to support the podcast, the easiest thing you can do is subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Just be sure to subscribe and if you do want to support the show even further, there is now apparel, hats, stickers, magnets, all available at shop.bashmania.com. But even if you're just listening, I appreciate the support. All right, that's long enough for this intro, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the show. It's Bashmania. Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you are gonna do? What Bashmania runs wild. Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah, All right, we've got Victoria Anthony fresh off a international tour. How are you?, I am good. <laughs> It's funny too because when I saw you're traveling to Canada and at the same time like preparing for this podcast, and I'm like, so you just got back from a trip from Italy and Russia. I'm like, uh, do I gotta add Canada to that list? I'm like, wait, I thought you were in Arizona. And yeah, what's we going on <laughs> earlier this week? And you're like, no, I lived there. So first of all, tell me about that. Tell me about the decision to move to Canada.
1: For sure, I uh, just really felt like I needed, I needed a few things in particular um that I just wasn't getting in my training environment. One being female partners. Um, I'm a 50 kilo, 110 pound, um, four foot 10 girl. And just no matter how many different ways you try to set it up, you know, 125 pound guys or high school boys, it's just not the same feel. Um, so I really needed female training partners. Girls are like clingier, I would say, and like grabbier, especially if they're, you know, wrestling me, they're trying to get a hold of me. Um, so, so I needed that. Um, the room in Calgary in particular is amazing. It's, there's two olympic champions in the room every day one being carol Wynn, who's a coach now but she won my weight class in 2008 um and then erica weeb who won 76 in 2016 and then another female my of my best friends she's a world silver medalist daniel lapich another u23 bronze that's a a female so it's just a really strong um women's room and and in particular a guy that I feel like you know this all followed from was Paul Ragusa, who is our coach, um, and I just I've known Paul over, over the years, honestly, not that well, but he was at two of the big international competitions I was at over the summer, um, and he helped me, and I was like, man, I feel like his style suits me, and he's they're obviously doing something extremely right, right. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, all things considered, I was I was like, okay, I'm gonna make the move.
0: And how hard was that to like decide to make that sacrifice and saying the opportunity is too great, like. <laughs>
1: It was hard. It was, I guess the decision itself wasn't hard, but getting myself to do it was difficult. I was supposed to leave Arizona like three weeks before I actually end up leaving. <laughs> and people I would surprised. like show up. Yeah, I would show up at like whatever the the place I used to work out at called North First One, and they're like, what are you doing like, here? Like and I was like, Oh, you know, I just don't want to leave. <laughs> right. So um so it was difficult to get myself to make the move. Also, extremely cold, like uh completely different from you know, I've been living in Arizona and I'm from California. So I haven't lived anywhere that. It has this cold weather. I, I oh, luckily, yeah. I quit. yeah, <laughs> it got down to I think negative 30 with the wind chill, and I was like, Oh my, like, and, and so, so, was, so
0: speaking of cold weather, you just got back from Siberia in the winter. <laughs> yes. Perfect segue. Tell me about your trip to Italy and Russia and, and how that was. And you know, I, I think too, it says so much like Arizona, Canada, Russia, Italy. You've been to so many places at this sport. Provide such a unique opportunity to, yeah. to see, like Italy and Russia. That's that's such it's such a contrast, right? Especially from the U.S. Like, tell me about that yeah. trip and what that was like. Yeah,
1: just on that note, it's unbelievable the places that you get to go with wrestling. That no, there's no chance I would be going to Siberia otherwise. Right. You know, <laughs> if I was traveling the world and enjoying, I just wouldn't right. put that on my list. Right. And coincidentally, it's one of my favorite places in the world. Like, I absolutely love Kresnysk. Um So, but I guess starting with Italy, that was a great trip. Um, I First, second round wrestled Sarah, um, which was a lot of fun, and just it was just great to get you know get a feel. Um, so that's huge going into trials, and and I'm so excited. And um, and finished with a bronze at that tournament. Um, and then we hopped on a plane myself, Joey McKenna, and Pat Downey to uh, to Kresnyars. Yeah. yeah, so fun. I just I love that tournament. I love the Russian fans. Like I lost my first match to a Russian girl, and I'm like upset, obviously, um, especially in this tournament. You know, it's like you never know what's gonna happen. It's like, yeah. geez, that I just fly to Russia to be out of the tournament, sure. um, and the Russian fans were so sweet to me. Like, multiple people um, in the arena and also like on Instagram were like, please message with whatever English they could, and we're like, please don't be sad. We loved I your mean. wrestling. Like, we really enjoyed your. Technique. I saw
0: one. <laughs> Didn't one message Jakar Winchester yes. thinking it was yours or something? Yeah. <laughs> like like beautiful wrestling everywhere. Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so wild. And I'm curious to like, t- take me back a little bit to, to when you got started. You know, I had Helen on the podcast not too long ago and, and we've been friends for a while and she's been a client and I, I pick her brain on this, but like when you were young, I-, I think when you got started, wrestling still wasn't in the Olympics, right?
1: When I start, I didn't start wrestling till 2005, so it was in the Olympics oh, okay. because I started pretty late in comparison to other yeah. people. I started at 14, so. So when um, you got started,
0: was your goal right away? I wanted to be an Olympic champ.
1: It was, um, and it really was a transitional goal from judo. Um, I did judo from when I was six years old till uh, till high school, and I wanted to be an Olympic champion in judo first. And then I, I end up switching sports and was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just keep my goal. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I can, oh, sweet, I can do it in this sport, I too. I want to be an Olympic champ, period. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: and then what was it like, like- – you know, this sport for so long has been so much predominantly a man's sport. Like, what was the adversity like getting started, especially like in 2005 where, you know, even somebody like Helen got started when they were so young, and then their parents and coach people start getting behind them because they're like, okay, wait, she's actually pretty good. I imagine yeah. as you're getting started a little bit later, people are kind of like, are you sure? Like, what was that like to, to kind of dive into that world?
1: For sure. Um, I guess similar story. My So my freshman and sophomore year, it was kind of like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, this girl is good because I, I I made it to boys' masters in California my yeah. sophomore year, um, which in California it goes uh, league, CIF, masters, and state, and so that was just a big deal like to to have done that. And so at that point, I felt like there was a shift in um, just just people approaching me uh, in the wrestling community in the local Southern California wrestling community, just as a wrestler, um, more so than like you know the girl that wrestles. To be honest, I didn't experience a ton of um, adversity go- like joining the team. It was more internal stuff that was yeah. super uncomfortable. And I know a lot of other younger girls deal with the same. Sure. It's like... Joining a boys wrestling team in the first place is social suicide at the school. It's like yes. I am now don't fit in in with the girls, really, and then i don't I obviously don't fit in with right. the I'm boys a wrestling boy. team <laughs> right. yeah, I'm not a boy, so I don't even know how to wrestle, so it's not like I have some skill set i did it did help that I you know had judo, but it wasn't like I was coming in with some some great skill set from youth wrestling, right. so it was more just a lot of internal struggle and just discomfort day in and day out with with that um, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: And then, what was what what kind of adversity did you face? Like even internally, was it like questioning your decisions, or, or what kind of adversity was it like that you had to overcome?
1: I think it was, it was not, yeah, questioning my decision in the first place. Um, that that was a just getting myself to go into the wrestling room to join the team was extremely difficult. It took me, so the, the reason I joined wrestling is because I saw a demonstration. I was in PE, I was in freshman year PE, and I saw a wrestling demonstration from my eventual high school coach. And I was like, man, this looks like judo and Honestly, if you if you play a sport in California, it gets you out of PE class. So I was like, man, I hate PE. This is the worst. So I was like, I guess I'll try it. But from that point, it still took me two weeks to you know walk through the wrestling room doors. And I was like, do I really want to do this? I don't know. Um, and then just that whole year, nothing became more comfortable, you know, it became more uncomfortable every day with, you know, the workouts and the struggles. But that's what I also fell in love with. Um, And that's also what I think kept me in wrestling as opposed to going back to judo. Because I was pretty, I was trying to compete at a high level in judo. Um, Like I said, my intention was to become an Olympian, Olympic champ, but I, I went back and competed a bit. And I was like, this doesn't have the same like pull on my heart as wrestling now does. So
0: and it's interesting, too, because, you know, I believe you won a junior world championship in 2009, right? Mm-hmm,
1: yeah.
0: Which, which now sounds, which, which is a crazy thing to accomplish, but it now sounds even more of an accomplishment knowing you didn't start in 2005. So, like, you yeah. started your first practice, four years later, you're a junior world champ, like, that's nuts. How did you evolve so so fast,
1: Definitely, the judo background helped. You know, it's still so uh, integral to my the techniques that I use. Like, I use a lot of I use my feet and my legs a lot more than yeah. probably most wrestlers do with sweeps and trips uh, and throws. Yeah, you kind of so like those
0: inside trips. I like those things. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't even try to hit them anymore. I'm like, oh, there it is again. <laughs> I actually try to not hit it so I can, you know, expand my right. technique in other directions. But, but uh, definitely judo, and then. Just work ethic and good coaching, people that accepted me in Southern California, I think it can be really difficult for for people in, girls in places that just have no support. I get messages from younger girls all the time that are like, they just don't want me in the room here. Like, I don't know what to do. I want to wrestle, but I can't – like, I, I don't know if I should continue to deal with this. And I'm like, man, that's tough because I did – my my high school coach, Dennis Brahmo, Shout out to Dennis. I'm so thankful for him because he just accepted me. He didn't. I don't think he really knew what to do with me, but he treated right. me exactly the same as everybody else. He's like, this seems like a good strategy. Yeah. He yelled at me the same. He, you know, it's just all he made me run the same amount of sprints, and um, he didn't treat me as an outsider and he didn't baby me. So maybe a little bit, I think, because I would emotionally <laughs> react. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: and and do do you think that the being so good. Do you think that helped overcome adversity too like i know that you know i guess i can make the same argument for being good or bad like if you're really good you have a lot of pressure and adversity um i wrestled jv in varsity was never any good and you you deal different adversity like it's like man like yeah this is teaching me discipline but i just got my butt whooped again and again i'm not gonna make the team like there's different adversity do you think that because you were so good That it kind of helped move past some of those hurdles where it's like, I feel like if you're good, it's almost easier to accept the women on a men's team because, well, she's really good. What are we going to do? Where it's like, I feel like a huge struggle could be for someone who's like, okay, I want to give this a shot and they're not really good. I feel like then the adversity is even harder to overcome.
1: Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I would agree for sure. You know, at least there was like a spark. I wouldn't say I was good, you know, especially at the outset. Um, And I was still getting my butt whipped all the time. But there was something, you know, people could see in me. So that gives it that probably made it a little bit easier. But on the other side of that, I think just when someone sees pure work ethic in a a young kid or a young, you know, a young female athlete, or just the willingness to they've fallen down eight times, get up nine and just keep going it's the same spark. Um so I, I think you know we're presented with so much adversity in the sport and it comes at every individual in their individual way and that's what they're meant to work with. Um and that's what eventually makes them, you know, grows us into the people that we are. So
0: and, and the other side of that conversation I think too is you know like you got started in, in part because you saw a demonstration and like I think I can do this. And you know one of the things I, I'm curious of and this is like a three-part question, but I guess the first okay. part of it is you you got started after like a demonstration saying this is pretty cool. Now, I feel like there's a whole new wave. I feel like there's seasoned vets, yourself, Helen, Adeline, you guys are like, in my opinion, a new wave of vets. Like when you were yeah. young, even when when you saw like it wasn't because you saw necessarily somebody winning. Like now people right. see you, Helen, Adeline, all these girls so successful. And I think that's why you're seeing the the rapid growth of the sport, because like the fans always to to get fans. You got to start with the youth. And as that right. comes up and, and as more and more kind of teams turn over, you get more fans. And I'm curious what, what the difference is in the sport that you've seen. Over the last, you know, decade, really, where you, there now is so many women wrestling for little girls to look up to, like, how is that different from when you got started, where I don't think back then, I mean, U.S. didn't have an Olympic champ until Helen won in 2016, right? Like, it's right. the last four years that women in this country have a gold medalist to look up to. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. What's the difference been like watching that kind of continue to evolve,
1: Yeah. You know what? I'd I'd actually disagree a little bit. I just think – or I'd just say that I think the growth probably has a lot more to do with uh, the interconnectedness of the world at this point um, and social media because in 2005, there was no – if you didn't know of – um, like maybe Sarah McMahon or someone by a camp or you were paying attention to, you know, the previous Olympic team trials, you just wouldn't know. I just didn't, I didn't know of any of those women, but now sure. it's so easy to go on your phone USA wrestling. I think they do a great job. So wrestling does a great job of, you know, pushing people and getting names out there. And, and then, um, so Absolutely. younger girls are able to see that girls in like, you know, both across the country and across the world. So it's much easier to be like, oh my gosh, girls wrestle? You see it on your phone you're like, I guess I could. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it, you know, I'll give it a go. Um, and then also, you know, the, the, of course, you the girls look up to us, um, look up to the women's team as a whole for the success. Um, but at the same time, I think it's like, with with social media, you're able to express your personality, um, and I, I almost think a, more people look up to me or or want to interact with me um, because they feel like I'm approachable and they can they can. So I don't know. I think it's I think social media has a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. You know, on my marketing <laughs> side of of what I do daily, I talk to a lot a lot of athletes about the importance of social media and branding and somebody i refer to a lot is lolo jones like oh, yeah, yeah. she hasn't won the olympics yet exactly she has yeah. such a dominating brand because because she's relatable because she's engaging she's got that personality where she's inspiring people she's making people laugh she's got a lot of humor like that's the power of social media to to say you don't necessarily have to w- be an olympic champ just just to be a brand it might be your goal and that's a dang good goal but just from a social media the amount of awareness and create and i think too like you said the fact that you can go on you know social media or follow usa wrestling or flow and and see other people and and connect with them i think that's why the world's you know reacting the way they are to kobe's death like so many people didn't know him but they looked up to him and you can see the impact somebody had by just following somebody and now you get more direct access where I love following you on social because, like,
1: you're you're telling stories, like the stories of the couch, right? Yeah, of my mishaps, (laughs) my day-to-day vortexes, But that's
0: that's what people can relate to, and I think that's how you kind of create fans because you you feel that bond. Have did did you? When did you kind of start feeling that? And did you get to start feeling that from being a fan of other women in the sport? You know, because as the, the like the seasoned vet group, I'll call you girls. It's like, you guys are so good and so many people look up to you. Did you have that at all? And was there a certain period in time you started to have that?
1: To be honest, not really. I didn't I didn't have it growing up and I didn't, first of all, I was like just shell-shocked the whole time. Like when I was in high school, I was like wide-eyed and confused and didn't really like latch on to anyone as like a hero in that, in that sense. I'd say more now so than ever, you know, I look up to my teammates, I look up to, um, you know, even people that I used to, I used to wrestle Clarissa Chun, but I like, I look up to her, I look up to her currently so much as a role model, as a technician, um, just as a great person as well. So I didn't necessarily have it when I was coming through uh, in high school and college, but now that my, I, I think my viewpoint's a little bit wider, I do. Um, yeah. And just to go back to the point on uh, Lolo real quick, I think it's, it's actually, you know, really important that, these that we as athletes and figures like uh, herself you know continue to do their do their bit on social media and are relatable because the majority of the population isn't going to win an Olympic gold medal the majority of kids aren't going to be it's just by the numbers they're not going to be the state champ or national champ it's a select few but it's so important to inspire everyone to do their absolute best and to become the most they can be so so I think so it's like sometimes I feel like people get like Oh, she hasn't even done anything, but you know she's doing it. She's, she's being herself and um, right. and doing the best she can, and that's what you know we should be aiming to help other people do. And
0: and I want to talk about that in a few minutes, like judging success and, and titles and all that. But you know, kind of one of the other end to other points, really, to that question is the initial question is how how you've seen the sport evolve from a. You know your involvement like you've had so many opportunities i imagine as you continue to get better but as a, as the women's side of the sport continues to evolve i imagine so do the opportunities like even getting the opportunity sure. to mm-hmm. be welcomed into canada right like what has yes. happened like as the sports evolved what kind of opportunities has that opened up for you
1: It's honestly unbelievable. Like, you can take this sport as far as you want to and in as many different directions as you want to. Um, You know, it gave me me the opportunity to do my undergraduate in Canada. I moved to BC. The school's in Burnaby, but it's pretty much the Vancouver area. Simon Fraser University, which I love. Like, the opportunity to live in Vancouver, pretty much the Vancouver area, for four years is my favorite city in the world. It's so cool. Um, And then just the continued opportunities of travel um now you know we're getting paid better and better every year sponsorships are coming in more and also just the ability to like you mentioned before like build out a brand um and that's something you can do you know on an individual level and it's great that the sport allows that segue um and I just love it because the the most important thing to me is inspiring young girls and young women and and so if anyone they're like you you wrestle and I'm like yeah and your daughter should too she can go to college like for right. free and it's I mean, it's, it's probably going to be a little bit easier than, you know, softball or soccer, where there's so many girls in the country that are doing right. it. So opportunities are expansive. And um, there's just a path right now that is less dense than I think others.
0: And I'm curious to like, you know, the final, I guess, part to that is really how your career has evolved. What has the transition been like, Like I, I ask so many guys who come in the podcast, what their what the transition was like from youth level to high school and from high school to, to college and then from college to the yeah. senior level. And I'm curious on your perspective, what has yours been like from that, that same journey from, you know, high school to college to senior level? Cause it's so different. Like there's right. the, the different college structures. There, there's all sorts of things. What has that um, evolved involvement been like?
1: Uh, high school to college was just so different because I'm, going from a boys' high school wrestling team to a all-women's team. Um, but my school, SFU, women and men trained alongside each other. We trained in the same room with the same, mostly the same practices. So it wasn't uh, that big of a transition, actually. It's just the transition of having to go to class and having to, to be responsible for yourself, <laughs> having right. full access to the dining hall 24 hours a day, and <laughs> that type of thing. Um, it's learning self-control. Right. Uh, I ate so many cookies my freshman year, and I was so fluffy. (laughs) So (laughs) that was probably the bigger transition. Um, At that point, I was already, you know, on on the national level. I made my first national team in 2012. Uh, Oh, so I wasn't actually up at school yet. But um, but the the transition to the senior level, I feel like more than anything, it's like a competitive transition of tactics and strategy and – not doing too, not doing too much, basically, especially as yeah. you, you know, as I get older, I'm 28 now. So that what I could and what was best to do when I was 21, 22, so different from now. Um, and at, right now it's pretty much run the risk of doing too much a lot, you know, right. And yeah. uh, you can't do anything if you're injured. So, um, so and then tactically and strategically international high level wrestling that comes into play way more than it ever has in, in my career. Um, now, and in these competitions, and if I, you know, match loses generally something strategic, uh, tactical.
0: Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And so I'm curious to, you know, speaking of like winning and losing, I- I'm really curious always on an athlete's perspective on success. And I was just kind of thinking about it selfishly the other day because somebody was asking about this podcast and you know oh is your is your podcast successful and (laughs) like it made me think because for my companies success is a bit more black and white it's like are you making a profit okay it's successful or are you losing money okay Mm -hmm. it's not with the podcast it's like it's not that it's new because podcasting has been around but it's new where that there's only so many metrics i can go by and i view you know success as you know, I forgot who was just on the podcast that said maybe Bryce Meredith was saying how success is happiness. And I've always kind of viewed success as, as freedom and and doing what you love. And like for this podcast, when I get text messages from people that are like, Hey, me and my kids this morning, as we got ready for school and work, we listened to so-and-so on the podcast. And I'm like, I'm picturing, like, I can't listen to myself talk for 30 seconds. And I can't imagine (laughs) putting on like an hour. (laughs) Thankfully it's more like all you athletes, but You know, that's like, for me, makes it so successful and humbling. Like I'm reaching people and you might get to encourage somebody that would have never got to hear something specific like that to me is successful. Um, And I know it's always a cliche in sports. Like you, you judge success by wins and losses to a degree, but I, and and I think we we make it harder and harder. Like once wrestling, especially is such a what have you done for me lately sport? If you're, Mm -hmm. if you didn't just win something, you're you're irrelevant. It doesn't matter how good you are. Even Dake looked incredible in Italy, and all of a sudden it's Dake's making the team. Burroughs is out. I'm like wait right. what? <laughs> like, D- <laughs> incredible, but like isn't Jordan not the goat until he gets beat? Like he's uh-huh, uh-huh. you know and and so I feel like you know Lolo Jones is a great example of. I don't think she would judge her success solely on an Olympic gold or an Olympic medal. I think she mm. judges her success obviously by wanting to win and winning championships which you've done winning the nwca college duels u.s open junior world champion like you've had your success so it's not cliche if you say like you know it's getting to encourage people and it's getting to build that brand but i am curious on your perspective on kind of defining success and and what success both looks like to you and then what it means to you
1: You know, I think um, being intentional in life, that's one of the most important things. And it's like one of the pillars that I live by is have intention and follow through. And so I I personally measure my success against my intentions. Um, So it's like, what do I even what am I intending to do? yeah, I'm definitely intending to win an Olympic gold medal um, so in that with that intention if I achieve it you know be success if I don't I would say I was unsuccessful in that in that you know intention sure. in that, in that. but one of my other major intents is to affect people positively um and so you know can I say at the end of the day, like, have I done that and have I done that on the scale, the, the, the maximum scale that I had the ability to right. um, and done the most that I could with that? So that's another intention, whereas like so Lolo probably, you know, is successful in that. Right. Um, and then it goes, you, you know, you can break that down into so many different ways. So we'll take the Bill Farrell, for example, like I won the I won the competition, but that wasn't my intention. So my intentions were to improve specific areas in my wrestling um, to, you know, to execute in the hand fight to, to do certain things tactically. Um, and so that's what I go back and check, like, was I successful in the things that I intended for? And, and then that's probably, that's how I would say I measure success personally. Um, and then for sure on the, you know, I, I agree with Bryce and just general success, it's happiness and enjoying your life. Um, but I don't really struggle with that. <laughs> right. So, so uh, life is good. Everything's good. It's like, this is such an amazing, such amazing life. So definitely success in, in that. Right. But I would say it's, in, intention-based um, and I think it's important that we, you know, set intentions. It's like my intentions are going to be different from someone else's. Maybe another person's is just to acquire a, a particular sum of money, which is all good. And that's just how they would measure their success. And uh, so it just depends on what you're aiming at.
0: And I think it's cliche that, you know, everybody always says like it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, but you know, <laughs> like the more successful wrestlers and athletes I talk to, um, you know, I, I, like this, the defining success, success, with intention. I, you know, I want to say when Gilman was on the podcast, he had mentioned too, like having pro, was the progress goals? I want to say he called it. Yeah. Probably process goals. Yeah. yeah maybe. Sure. <laughs> I go Could to college, Progress,
1: <laughs> progress, process, same thing. <laughs> so like
0: having goals along the way. And then, cause like one of the, I think the way I, I it got brought up is I'm like, you know. How do you? And this is where I was going to go with you. When you have those definitions of intent, and you kind of answered this, but you know, one of the things I asked him is, it's so tough. I remember for him, he was in a flow documentary, and he had mentioned one of the hardest things he had to do is the day after not winning NCAA's, look in the mirror and say, "You're never going to be an NCAA champion," Mm -hmm. and move on. (laughs) <laughs> right, right, and yeah. and not get discouraged. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'd lock myself in my room and not come out for three weeks. And right. and and I part of I think just analyzing it, it's like if if he's creating this habit of of setting these short term goals and he's hitting it, winning this goal and achieving this, th- that one goal at the end doesn't feel like <laughs> such a devastating loss because you had so many wins along the way. And I'm curious for you, like, you've had both wins and losses, and you've you've won tournaments, and you've been runner-up, and you've taken bronze. And I'm, I'm curious what kind of approach you take to when you, you know, like you said you have an intent to, to encourage and, and to, to kind of be that light for people, and then you also have an intent to be an Olympic champ. When you don't hit one goal, what's the process like? Is it just relying on your – your happiness from the other intents and hitting those, like what's, what's the what's the approach and the mindset look like to um, not hit a goal and not get mm-hmm. discouraged by, it, or not get too discouraged by it enough to where you're pressing on without failure?
1: Right, you know what, for me personally, it's like did I do the best I could, like the absolute best, you, what's there's some saying about turning us st- turning stones over? <laughs> did right. I turn every stone over? Right. Um, that type of thing. And if I can look myself in the eye and say that I did that, I did that. Um, personally, I'm I'm just not gonna get too down over it. You know, it's it is what it is. Life. Life is ups and downs. You're meant. I believe that we're, you know, we're here in order to learn certain lessons, and we're we're just meant to continue to learn the whole way through. Um, And there's never going to be a point where something isn't a lesson. If it's a loss, it's a lesson. So um, I just don't. I feel like life is way too short to be, you know, going the whole like, you know, like barricading yourself in and just being being so upset. of course things hurt and it's painful, but it would be the most painful thing for me would be to not have done everything possible, to not have done my best, to have chosen to stay in my comfort zone when I knew there was an opportunity for me to grow and I didn't take it. You know, just moved to Canada. Like if I had stayed in Arizona and it didn't work out, that would hurt me deep like that would be really really hard for me to you know handle and hard for me to move on from but if every single day i'm pushing myself to be in these uncomfortable situations and i'm just extracting the most for myself i'm asking other people to help me extract the most for myself Um, whether it you know works out or doesn't um, which i believe it's going to work out i truly believe i'm going to be olympic champion um, and still i'll be proud of myself i'll be proud of my efforts and all that so
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen. I, I think you very well could be the Olympic champion this year. And you know, let's let's kind of talk twenty twenty. So, if I have this all correct, in two thousand twelve you were third at the Olympic trials. In two thousand sixteen you're, <laughs> you're the runner up. Yes. So being a numbers guy and a patterns <laughs> and OCD type guy, you went from three to two. The obvious progression here would be one in 2020, which which (laughs) works out nicely. And playing back to the fact that you are the seasoned vet, like it's weird watching the commentary around the Pan Am Trials and the Olympic trials and Mm -hmm. you and Helen, you guys accomplished so much. And yet some are viewing you as an underdog because of how good the the younger wrestlers are. And I'm curious at what your perspective is to have that feeling where it's like, I know Burroughs and I talk about it often how, you know, especially in wrestling, the older you get, the more you get scouted. And this is such mm-hmm. a this is such a young person sport. It is like the youth has youth, meaning like the younger of a person in a match so often has the upper hand. And I'm curious, you know, you've continued to evolve and I'm, I'm curious, what, what's your perspective to get you to that number one spot in 2020 in a few months here to make the Olympic team, knowing that, you know, throughout your career, not only have you evolved, but your competitions evolved, women's wrestling has evolved. There's, Mm -hmm. there's such a bigger talent pool. Um, I remember having a conversation with someone a couple of years ago about, you know, sometimes people don't like that Greco and women's wrestling doesn't get as much attention as men's freestyle. And my Mm. argument is, listen, I think winning creates relevance. And when the women's team started winning, so many people started winning. Like like crazy, (laughs) you know, and like, and I, and and there's definitely so many points to the conversation, but I've always said, like, I think women's wrestling viewership kind of skyrocketed because if you look at the Olympic team this year, I think almost every person in the Olympic team could be a, a returning world or Olympic medalist, like it, it's wild. Um, so I'm curious as it's as it's all evolved. What your approach is this Olympic year to complete that perfect pattern of three, two, one? Yeah, yeah. Done. You, you know,
1: I <laughs> genuinely believe it doesn't have anything to do with anyone else. It has to do with me um, and my, like the areas that I needed to the gaps that I needed to fill um, uh, in my like ability to compete. And technically, those types of things. Um, it is interesting that you know the spread of ages, especially in my weight category. Right. There's so many girls like there. I'm I, like I'm in the veteran group now, but there's even a veteran group beyond me, which is Whitney Condor and Alyssa Lambie, sure. who are I think 30 and 31 or 32, yeah. uh, and I'm 28. So it's we have like every generation um, right. really going for it and really with a shot to you know yeah. to do it. So it's interesting. It's fun. It's um, but personally i just don't i don't even see people for age or that type of thing and I think sure. it could be a little bit i think there's value in knowing okay yeah maybe I have the upper hand veteran wise or um or they have the, the upper hand with with you so yeah they take those things into consideration but like don't get it twisted. Like Whitney is as strong, as hungry, as sure. all the other things that you'd expect a young athlete to be, Um, and that could be a major mistake on any person's part if they were to take something like that for granted. So, so age-wise, I I, I just don't invest that much. I see each individual as um, the makeup of the competitor that I know is in front of me, and everybody has their you know their their different skill set, both mentally. Um, emotionally, tactically, all these things come into play and you, you have to look at that, all of those, when you're up against people on their, you know, everyone's going to be peaked. It's their best day. It's, you know, I expect myself to, uh, in my mind, it's like, I have to be able to beat people when they're having their best day and it's somehow my worst day. Um, so taking it, it taking it in strides like that.
0: And I'm curious, you know, kind of taking this these last few questions in two kind of different directions one is and they're both really just kind of curiosity I'm curious Mm -hmm. you've had such a wide variety of accomplishments I'm just curious in this sport nothing non-wrestling related what are you the Mm -hmm. absolute most proud of do you think that you've done or been a part of within the sport
1: oh that's a great question hmm
0: Like I, I, it's, I don't want to say like, don't say winning something like being a junior world champion or winning the open. Like those are all things, right? But I'm, I don't know. I feel like you've done so much and I'm sure it's not an easy answer, but I'm curious.
1: (laughs) I think I have an answer. Uh, I don't really know if it's what you're, you're aiming at, but the thing that I'm most proud of is, um, my ability to never get discouraged and to continue to evolve match by match, um, you know, tournament by tournament and, Every single match, like I'm more excited about wrestling because I'm like, ooh, that was another piece I didn't have that I now do. You know, losing in Urugean, I got my like kind of got my butt whooped my first match. <laughs> <It was> embarrassing. <laughs> like just overall, it wasn't. Uh, I, I haven't had a match like that, and I don't know how that long. That can happen in it Russia. It was just, <laughs> it can happen in Russia. It was sloppy. It was all over the place, you know. Um, but there were major lessons that came from that match, and so I think I'm proud of my ability to. Ex- the most from every situation I can to learn and grow um, and just to continue to do that year after year and truly be shaped by that ability
0: and kind of the not really the opposite of that spectrum but you know wrestling is such a sport where like once you hit that 30 31 age you you know maybe 32 like people are, are done in the sport at least competing wise and as you inch towards that kind of age where, where people start to say, hey, I'm done I'm done on the competition side, what are your plans post-competition? Do you know yet? Or have you given it much thought?
1: I've given it a lot of thought. I, uh, there's so many different directions that could play out, um, and I feel like it's like, the, yeah, one of those mystery books where you could, where could end this way or this way or this way. Right. Because uh, I you know, I am 28. I'm inching towards that, that stopping point with wrestling, right. but I could easily, I've never seen myself going past 2020, but now that I'm up against it, I think mean, yeah. my body is 100% fine, I don't have any injuries. My mind is fine, I'm growing, like I said, I'm growing every match every every day, um, and it's still so fun. And I do believe, I actually still have a lot, like technically, um, thats that I'm still learning, there's just a lot of learning left within the sport. Of course, I don't think anyone ever stops learning with this sport, right. which is why we love it. But, um, so there is the potential to go another quad. I don't see myself doing that, but it is there. And then um, I have always seen myself fighting after after wrestling. Really? Um, like, like yeah, I'm a my. Yeah, like that stuff.
0: You <laughs> wrestlers that want an MMA fight just it's not even said. That well, you, I don't even I know you.
1: It's, it's just I can't say, that's another thing. I can't I really can't say for sure cuz I've never been punched in the face. I've never even been I've never been in a scrap like with a, another girl like outside a club, nothing. I have nothing under my belt fight-wise um except for judo and jiu-jitsu. I did, you know, I did judo for competitively for 8 years and then I competed in jiu-jitsu a little bit before I ever stepped on a wrestling mat. So for me, it's more about the fact that I love martial arts. I, You know what's crazy is I, when I was a little girl, I had a poster of ninjas above my bed. Like all I wanted to be was a ninja. You know, so did I, but they were
0: girls. ninja turtles.
1: <laughs> I think, yeah, I have a better chance of becoming a ninja than you do of a turtle. <laughs> but it's cool because now becoming a ninja is a legitimate career path for myself. It's yeah. insane, you know, the growth of women's MMA, Um, And I just, I love martial arts. I love the discipline involved. I'll 100% circle back after I'm done with my wrestling career to jujitsu to other martial arts that I've always, you know, wanted to try my hand at. So it's like, well, if I'm going to do it anyway, I may as well do it and, you know, fight. Um,
0: What's the difference in your mind of why you'd get to a stopping point with wrestling, but keep going with MMA or judo?
1: Uh, I would I, it would be recreational if I were to judo, jiu-jitsu, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but MMA over wrestling because of the ability to have a true career and uh, like uh, that's maybe I didn't say that right. Like the potential to make money, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just uh, it's not it right now. It's hard to make a living. I think it's I think it's easier for men with the the RTCs and them getting paid pretty pretty well and the sponsorships that are available. But on the women's side, it's just no, we're just not experiencing the same financially and it's t- It's definitely tough. Um, and it's like, I just don't necessarily want to continue to live, you know, based off low stipends and that kind of thing. So I love the sport. Um, if, if more becomes available financially, that would make it a lot easier to go another quad. It's, it's like, I've, I do feel like I have a lot of wrestling left in me. Um, but I want to build for my future as well. And MMA provides that opportunity.
0: And even on the men's side, like, you know, I've had a string of guests now on the podcast that keep saying they want to go fight. And Mm -hmm. like one of the things Bryce Meredith, I think alluded to was that, that same concept of look at, you know, I've always kind of been infatuated with fighting, but there's also look at how big the arena is. Look at how much of an opportunity there is for, for career growth. And, you know, even on the men's side of wrestling, if you're not the, excuse me, if you're not one of the absolute top tier guys, you're still like, you know, we're starting to get to a point where I feel like a lot of the top men are getting paid really good. But if you're mm-hmm. not on the national team or if you're not up there, like it's still like, if you're like, look at the weight class prices in with guys like Zane and Yanni and J.O. and Molnaro, all these guys, like there's, you're, you're a two-time NCAA finalist and he's not even qualified for the trials yet. Like, yeah, and, and that's going to reflect on, on the, you know, Financial gain or, or loss you have, so I definitely get it. I just think it's absolutely wild to get punched in the face just for a. <laughs> it
1: again. might be. I we're gonna find out. If I have to have someone punch me in the face first, and then I'll make a decision. And then you might see me in twenty twenty four. You might
0: as well get that. You might as well get that content. By the way, to like if somebody's gonna punch you in your face, yeah. If nothing yeah. else, that's True. gonna hurt. At True. least that's good Instagram content. Uh-huh. And so you know, yeah. one, one of the final things we'll, we'll kind of talk about and let you go here is just content and social media We we kind of talked about being able to build a brand and i have a lot of offline conversations with successful athletes and coaches about social media and and i've i've received every kind of side to the conversation you can get from it's a distraction don't do it it doesn't help with your goals don't do it and on the other side it's like you know there's there's people in this sport won't name names but they can win and they're still not that relevant. So they don't get that brand deal because they didn't establish that audience. They didn't establish that because the the times have changed. Now, somebody like Lolo Jones is getting more brand deals than somebody who potentially won a gold medal because that gold medal winner doesn't have the audience. I'm curious. I'm curious and like, I follow you on social, but I was doing like a deep dive before the podcast. (laughs) And, And first of all, this is absolutely crazy, by the way. Did you know, and and anybody listening is probably going to think I'm lying because this this doesn't make sense. Your video, you versus Vinesh from India, at the 2017 (laughs) World Championships Uh is UWW's most viewed YouTube video of all time, and it's not even (laughs) close. Your match with her got 2.6 billion views. Uh 2.6 billion No way! Or a million, what? million, million, million. No, a million, million, no for sure, I, I got ahead of myself. I got <laughs> oh my so excited. <laughs> <laughs> 2.6 million views. And and the next closest is when Snyder beat said you live in Paris with 1.9 million. So 0.7 million <laughs> higher. Like, that's crazy. Like, I'm just like looking up content. I'm like, man, she does such a good job. And I, I stumbled on, on one of your match videos and I was watching it and I'm like, Holy crap! This video has 2.6 million views. I'm like, this can't be the norm for UWW. And so then I did some research, and so it's crazy. Like, I, I don't know what happened there that made this one match like the most viewed match it, of, of all time. But it's
1: super bizarre. I agree. One of the one of the things I chalk it up to is like, I'm like, I think the population of India might have something to do with it <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> because. So bizarre. It's it's honestly pretty strange. Yeah. You know, Vanessa has spent one a bronze medal, certain things, but uh, I don't I don't exactly know. But it's cool. And if you look <laughs> at
0: like the next, like Snyder and July, like how many gold yeah. medals they have combined, like okay, I, I kind of <laughs> get that. Um, but anyways, that that was kind of a bunny trail. But I, I'm just curious, like what your perspective is on using social media, and you know, I think there's there's a generation coming up now that is obsessed with social media and there and there's a and and this generation is like all about likes and followers and i've had some talks with some college coaches because next year the ncaa looks like is going to let ncaa athletes profit off their likeness and now i feel like that obsession could grow if all of a sudden a a college wrestler can get sponsored or get a brand deal man they're going to care that much more about their followers They're now forget the offline distraction of trying to manage that brand deal if you can get one, but it's going to put more of an emphasis on it. And I, I love social media. I think no matter what, every conversation I'll have, like some of the best and worst moments of my life, have have stemmed from social media. But I always think social media is is net positive. I mean, I'll say this, and I've said it. This isn't the first time on the podcast. My wife DM'd me. And that's initially oh. <laughs> how we met. Like, it, Sick. It, it, you know, it, it was real casual. Like it, it was something about, um, something my company did and she's like, Hey, that's awesome. And, um, we, we kind of, that evolved into a conversation, which led to coffee and, you know, yeah. the rest is kind of history. But I, I think social is net positive. I, I've grown my, my business and even, you know, meeting someone like you, I, I can DM you and be like, Hey, you should come on the podcast. Sure. Let's talk about a couple things. Like, I think it's net positive, but it, but it can be such a distraction. There are so many negatives, and I've never been a high level athlete, so I can't test to, you know, getting on social and reading about yourself. Like, thank God I'm not important enough where people have an opinion <laughs> on me and are like, oh, hey, you should do this or you should do that. Like, I'll pick on myself more than anyone, so you don't even mm-hmm. have to. But I've never had the distraction of looking at rankings or hey, this is what so and so is saying about me at the Olympic trials or how have you manage to use social to to continue building a brand and building a following but not but but have not gotten distracted by it
1: right I mean I definitely have had my belts with distraction by it which is one of the reasons I'll have to say I don't love it. I don't love social media um I I, pre- I only use Instagram at this point I pre- I'm sorry to anybody that follows me on Twitter and Facebook but I just don't I you know I'll, yeah. I'll post from my Instagram to those accounts but um I my life is the most important thing to me you know and enjoying my life and my time here <laughs> on earth <laughs> and and i i just don't like being so deeply um like reliant on my cell phone and being so so deeply connected but on the other side of it uh it's amazing how you know social media is able to connect people and I'm able to connect with fans from across the world it's it's so beautiful in that right um but I do worry about the I worry about myself and I worry about the younger generation yeah uh you know I didn't grow like I I was probably like one of the last generations to grow up without social media at the start of my life. Um, but like my younger cousins, for example, yeah, it's, it's just crazy to think that, you know, young girls grow up, uh, having this, this thing in their hand and like scrolling Instagram and that's completely normal. But the things that are on the screen, a lot of times are not real. I mean, the fact that it's, it's a snippet of somebody's life that they are choosing for you to see in itself, but then also editing apps true physical edits like girls uh, you know injections surgeries all these things and these are things that are have millions and millions of views and hits and that type of stuff on instagram um so that freaks me out for these younger girls who are then yeah. you know comparing themselves it's it's only natural to compare yourself and, and you're like is that what i'm supposed to look like like that's not what i look like at I all know. so i think it's a it's tricky in that way. And I think it's really important because of that to, to stand for authenticity and just, just to be honest with uh, like, I'm kind of segueing, but just even with myself with like certain beauty routines, like if I get my eyebrows done, like I want (laughs) these girls to know that, like these are not necessarily my eyebrows, that type of thing. Um, But so I, I really, I really like it for its ability to connect. Like you said, um, you know, meeting people, being able to just collaborate in an instant. That's amazing. And And also like that the fact that i can connect with young fans in that way um but then the the, like kind of dark side of social media i think it's really important to be aware of it and, and and then the distraction aspect Um, it's so easy. These apps are designed to distract us and it's like I go into my phone for a specific purpose and it's like I black out (laughs) and five minutes later I'm still on Instagram I'm like what am I doing? (laughs) Why am I even in here? Um, So I really have to be aware of it. Like if I post a lot of times if I post something I'll delete a phone off my app. I mean I'll delete the the app (laughs) off my phone (laughs) Uh, you know for the rest of the day or whatever just so I'm not so distracted by it Um, and I think people have to give themselves like give themselves grace with it too. For, for myself, I was like, man, I was kind of getting upset with myself for how um, distracted I was by this this app. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's also designed to do this, um, yeah. and it's designed to play on my human characteristics. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, I don't, I'm not mad at anybody for using these types of apps because it is, it's a digital promotion. So you're not gonna. You know, pose for a magazine and expect them to put out the the first picture they take and you know an unedited right. version of it. And for me, I'm using my social media for marketing, so I am gonna do you know edits sure. here and there and edit yep. the whatever it is, whatever it may be. So I think, um, yeah, for myself, I just have to kind of always reel myself in, um, and be aware of it and you know not not be in my DMs all day trying to respond to people and I want to do my best for responding things like that. But um, being aware that it's I have, you know, I have to cut it off at some point. I can't respond to everybody. Um, and then just the, the absent editing that, uh, you know, I hope other people recognize both sides of it. Like, yeah, you're are, you are using this for marketing um, and promotion of uh, your, yourself, but then also don't get cu- too caught up in comparing and contrasting. And just, I don't think there's any value in comparing ever. Honestly, um, it's it, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't do much with person.
0: Yeah, and yeah. It, it definitely takes a lot of self-awareness and, and that's why I ask you because I know every athlete seems to take a different approach with it and it it, 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 it also impacts people differently like you use it differently so there's gonna be different self-awareness for you who right. somebody, like you have a great personality you're yeah. able to show that so different things are gonna apply and other people you know I know some people struggle with they they, they fake content because they are more of a dud. They don't have that right. personality where they can just, <laughs> yeah. and so you're, you're almost forcing to try to post something. So yeah. Yeah. I don't and think, I do think a that size fits all for people.
1: I don't, I think the most, what I learned over the years, um, and I think this is one of the more important things you can do is just be authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you are dud, there's other duds out there like, sure, like that are, you totally. know, you need to find their dud tribe. Yeah. So everyone, we're, we're all human. We're all, in my opinion, we're more alike than we are different. Right. And, and there is, um, there's just a lot that goes with being authentic and there's a lot of value and you know, you feel more whole and complete as a person when you're being authentic and you're not trying to fit some mold or okay, this is what seems to be getting likes over here, so let me right. try to try to do that. Like if you're who you authentically are and you're just trying to be your best and do your best. People are going to gravitate towards that. Um, and again, everybody has their you know, their little tribe, whether it's the, the yeah. duds or whatever it is. <laughs> so yes. those people are looking for somebody and they won't be able to find you if or whoever, you know, if you're not being authentically who you, who you are.
0: Totally. <laughs> and that's why I think, too, like being able to look at it and, and say, like, Look at you. Also, can't judge on the other side of it, where it's like, listen, don't judge somebody for for posting who they are because they're doing what they love and they're trying yeah, to yeah. use. Maybe they're using social media for promotion because, like, like you said, like, okay, there, there's not, there's only so much money in women's wrestling that it's hard. It'd be hard to do another cycle if you can use social media and post more content. But one person's looking at it saying, "Oh, you should get off social media. Oh, you should do this." Well. I, I think people sometimes need to look at social on both sides, and and one side don't compare, and on the other also don't assume you know why they're doing that. Like before you're yeah, comparing, like don't assume you know why someone's posting that. Or there's people who think I'm obsessed with my phone because I'm on mm-hmm. it twenty four seven, and it's not that I love it. Like I don't have a single game on my phone. I'm uh-huh, just uh-huh. If, if somebody it's necessity right. If somebody like yeah. you know, I this happens a couple times a year. Um, somebody in the wrestling community just tweeted out to like everybody, um, if you had one person who you had to bet would answer their phone, who would it be? And Lauren Burroughs responded instantly, like Justin Bash without a doubt, no <laughs> second either. And that's what I pride myself on. Like, I want to be available for, for my friends, for clients, for people who need me. So like, I'm obsessed with my phone for, for that regard. There's not a single game on here, but people often who see me on social or do this, that's like, Oh, he's just obsessed with his phone well, yeah, I'm trying to capitalize on opportunities. And I think people are so quick to judge what you're doing on social sure. too, that they're like, well, hey, like, no, don't don't
1: judge, relax. Yeah, just relax. Everybody relax. Like, it's all good. Everybody's doing the best they can. And I think that that, that comes back to intention. Again, like, your intention is to be available, be grow your business, right. do these specific things. And that's what you're doing. And it really doesn't have anything to do with anybody else or or their opinions or, you know. Um, but yeah, and I think that getting people, it can get really caught up with the judgment and um, yeah, why are you doing the things you're doing? Like, uh, relax.
0: <laughs> right, mind, mind your business.
1: <laughs> mind business. It'll make everything a lot better for both of us. <laughs>
0: right. All right. Well, listen, I promised I'd only keep you for an hour so I'm going to beat you to that. Okay. I'm going to let you go but thank you so much for, for taking the time to hop on the podcast and I wish you the best of luck and I, I'm sure I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Lots All of right. fun. <laughs> see you All soon. Right. And that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Send me a message, uh, share it on social, tweet me. Let me know what you think. I'm I'm so curious. I'm so grateful for client feedback. When you guys reach out, it truly means a lot to me. So let me know what you thought of this episode. And there is actually another uh, female freestyle wrestler coming on as the next guest. So if you enjoyed this episode, you'll love the next one too. See ya. And the beat goes on.